flexibility continues to be, you know, top of mind for individuals. They want location flexibility, they want schedule flexibility, and they want a voice in, in how that plays out on their teams and in their organizations. If you've ever read a business book and thought, that sounds great, but how do I actually make it happen? The Grow Together podcast is your answer. Every episode, you'll hear tactics from the world's most thoughtful leaders about how to manage up, improve cross-functional collaboration, and build a high-performing team. I'm your host, Ryan Sidnor. Join me so we can both listen, learn, and grow together. Helen Cup, co-founder of Future Forum with seven years of experience in leadership at Slack, joins us today. She shares insights about how the future of work is going to be inclusive, flexible, and connected, based on insights from tens of thousands of employees around the world. Plus, she shares playbooks to help leaders avoid burnout, manage stress, and drive transformation. Helen, thank you so much for joining me on the Grow Together podcast today. Um, to kick things off, can you tell us a little bit more about uh, yourself? Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about me, and then I'll tell you a little bit about um, my team and my organization called the Future Forum. But um, I'm one of the co-founders of the Future Forum um, and have uh, been working at Slack for over six and a half years now in a bunch of different roles that range from like strategy and analytics to being a product manager on our platform team, um, and most recently launching Future Forum, which is a think tank that really focuses on understanding the future of work um, and how employee preferences are shifting dramatically um, over the last couple of years and what their expectations are from leaders and their companies. Um, I am also a mom of two wonderful little kids um, who were both pandemic babies. Um, so very young, almost three and one years old. Wow. So how long has Slack been around? 10 years, 12 years, something like that? Um, since 2014. So you've right? been there for a big part of their journey through startup all the way to acquisition, huh? Yeah, um, I've actually, I talk about the early days of Slack. Um, when I joined, it was um, before we had an enterprise product, before we even um, had, you know, the like enterprise go to market motion with sales and account managers and all that uh, before we went international. So many things. It just felt like a very different company six and a half years ago. Um, it's wild. And uh, tell me a little bit more about your passion for this future of work space. Like, where did you first get the bug of like, this is a possibility for me to, to do something with? Um, you know, it's funny. I, if you had asked me that um, maybe a year ago or two years ago when we first started it, I would have given you a very different answer, um, but in as I've evaluated and spent more time reflecting, both with the team um, and on my own journey, I think that I've always been interested in this topic of the future of work. It's what it's what drove me to um, join Slack six and a half years ago, right? This mission about making people's work lives 
better, simpler, easier, more pleasant and productive. Um, and when I reflect on, you know, teams that I've built and manage that have been really fun and incredible to work on uh, and people to work with. And when we've been able to tackle some of the most challenging and ambitious, you know, goals and projects, um, it, it has been on teams where there's been a lot of autonomy and a lot of flexibility. And I've always really been um, driven to those types of environments and the ability to figure out how you do this at scale and across more companies with our work on Future Forum um, and, and the book that we wrote, uh, I forgot to intro that, um, has, been, has been just such a privilege. If you're a leader or working on becoming one soon, check out the Grow Leadership Community. Join conversations with other thoughtful leaders to share resources, support one another, connect at meetups, and learn during webinars. Join now at getgrow.io slash community. So there's a, uh, this like interesting escalation of commitment to the cause where you're like, hey, I'm interested. I'm going to join a company and build a product that helps with this. I'm going to like co-found a, a think tank to help more people understand why this is important. Um, has your relationship with the future of work changed over that period of time? Obviously, you're more more invested in it. Um, but like from, uh, hey, this seems cool to like, this is the way um, kind of thing. I, I think that um, co-founding the think tank um, and even just sitting down and writing our book, How the Future Works, Leading Flexible Teams to Do the Best Work of Their Lives, um, has has definitely gotten me to that place of like, this is the way. Um, and maybe it's partly because I became a mom during that time and I see the impact that flexible, inclusive, and connected work has on my own life and my own relationship with my family, um, the, you know, the chance to be present for things that I, I feel like I wouldn't have been if I was commuting into the office five days a week or, um, or really thinking about my job as, you know, the traditional nine to five. Um, it was something that I was really worried about when I was first pregnant with, um, with my son back in 2019. I was like, how am I going to do this? Well, how do I manage daycare drop-offs? Most daycares close um, by 5 p.m., which means, you know, leaving the office at three something, four. What would that do for my own personal career um, and how ambitious I'm able to be? But also how much um, how much can I show up as a mom? Because that was really important to me as well. The uh, the personal connection that that you've got to the the co-founding of this um, resonates with me for sure where uh, a lot of the most pivotal moments in my career were when I received honest and meaningful feedback from those around me about how I was impacting them both positive like wow I couldn't believe that you did this and also constructive like that wasn't so good <laughs> like whoops yes. um, and so that's part of why I uh, co-founded a, a company in that same space and um, the like, how do I help more people f experience 
like life could be better. How do I help more people have that? Um, definitely resonates with, with me and, and, and some of my mission. Um, yeah. So it's not just that talking- life could be better though. I think it's, it's also, I see both in my work, like I mentioned the teams that I worked on and my own team now with future forum, um, work can be better. And the, the, the outcomes, the product, the, the things that we're doing together, the output can be so much better. Grow's feed helps your team stay in sync, celebrate after finishing a task, coach after a presentation, or provide suggestions after a meeting. Whenever you give a grow, we plant a real tree to celebrate your growth. Give your first grow today for free in under a minute. Get started now at getgrow.io. Oh, this has showed you a glimpse into my philosophy where like, I actually do find a fair amount of meaning and purpose through my work. And so if I'm saying my life could be better and part of my life's mission and purpose is to help people grow, then by uh, the transitive property, if my life is better and I'm more engaged, then I'll be present in the conversations with my team at work and each of them will be more engaged and will make better decisions and that kind of ripple effect. Um, but thank you for making that more explicit because just because I conflate life and work and uh, doesn't mean that uh, that is true of, of everybody. Um, so, so when you're talking about the future of work and, and there's, there's a new way um, I've heard you use a, a few words so far in our conversation, like connected and flexible. Um, can you define uh, maybe this is a grandiose question, but like, yeah. what does the future work look like? Uh, maybe succinctly for, for people listening? Yeah. Um, the one sentence answer is that the future of work is more flexible, inclusive, and connected. Um, and I'm sure over the, the course of this discussion, we're going to dive into each of those three big things. Um, but what I, what I often like to start with is just... Um, you know, the future of work isn't just about the technology. It's really about moving from what um, the traditional sort of office centric way of thinking about work to being a lot more human and people centric, a lot more focused on getting the best out of our teams and our people rather than what's the layout of the office space. And I think that is an incredible thing to be shifting towards and something that was accelerated over the last couple of years as we all shifted to, to fully remote in many ways, this big experiment that we're all undergoing. There's a, um, the, the get the best out of your, out of our people phrase is one that jumps out to me there in so far as it could to some listeners sound one directional, like I, as a manager, want to like extract the best from my people, right? Like it, it could sound that way. Yeah. Maybe I have a cynical hat on. Um, the optimistic hat is actually like getting the best out of, of our people is, is a two-way street where if I'm working on things that I'm compulsive about and energized by and tethered to from a purpose perspective, well, actually like my life and work life is better and I'm more productive and effective. So I just wanted to like make a, a side note there where I think sometimes that that can be misconstrued. Yeah, I, I love that just um, additional clarity on that point because I agree. 
you know, we, um, I'm sure you've heard and you've seen across other, you know, folks that you talk to that burnout is a problem. Um, we, um, so we are a think tank um, and uh, we run this survey of um, desk workers every quarter um, and it surveys over 10,000 desk workers all over the world, which means that it's been really interesting to see sort of the data and the trends over time and what, um, what trends are really durable over the course of the last you know, two and a half years. Um, and flexibility is one of those things where it's like, it, no matter what is happening, you know, people want flexibility. Um, it's second now only to compensation when people are looking at what, um, what they want from their jobs. Um, and burnout on the other side is also on the rise. Um, if you think about what is happening in the world um, and the stressors that exist, um, we continue to see that burnout is on the rise, particularly for you know, specific populations like middle managers um, that are more burned out than any other group that we're surveying um, and um, women um, as well, uh, when you think about the gender gap. Um, and and younger employees in our data, we see that they're they're also struggling a little bit with burnout. Mm. Let's let's dig in a little bit more here. Um, so I, I I read the most recent uh, Pulse survey. I think it was the fall from this year is the most recently released, and I and I did see that middle managers are struggling the most with burnout relative to executives, or um, I think you broke them out as junior managers or or individual contributors. Um, Individual contributors, yeah. Executives at the sort of, um, if you think of them as sort of C-suite level, making the policy changes um, around flexible work and then sort of middle managers are more, you know, frontline managers. So what's the dynamic that's leading to uh, more more burnout for this group? Um, what we continue to see both um, uh, in conversations that we have, so we pair a lot of the research with um, executive conversations and um, working with different companies, Fortune 500 companies um, all over the world. And I think the the theme that comes up is that middle managers are really sort of stuck in this tug of war um, between, you know, what executives want, um, especially, you know, uh, I'm sure you've seen in the news, like this tendency to, given the pressures of the economy, want to go back to what feels natural, what is comfortable, things that they know about work and how it has to be in the office, et cetera, um, and on what executives are wanting to mandate versus what individuals continue to want from work. Um, like I said, that like flexibility continues to be, you know, top of mind for individuals. They want location flexibility, they want schedule flexibility, and they want a voice in, in how that plays out on their teams and in their organizations. Um, and so middle managers are stuck in this middle of trying to figure out how do I, you know, take some of the policies and the mandates and make it real for my team and balance these very two different needs. Um, the other thing that I would say is, um, having been a middle manager and, and managed teams, we put a lot on this group. Um, we've put a lot on them over the last couple of years where, 
And we're like, okay, you are managing your teams, you're driving to business outcomes, and you have to be in many ways, you're their sort of empathetic coach. You have to help them work through feelings of, you know, um, as different things have come up, um, navigating social issues, et cetera. And now, oh yeah, by the way, you also have to think about how to make flexibility real for your teams um, and, and actually tangible. So we keep adding more and more responsibilities to this group without providing them the support, the training um, that they need. So I think both of these dimensions really kind of, you can imagine, spread our middle managers very, very thin um, and add to that stress and burnout. Yeah, it's like, okay, in addition to driving the business outcome, which would be like the baseline expectation, I suppose, if no other quality of life concerns were taken into account, you should also be a coach and kind of sort of a pseudo therapist and also the bad guy because you need to enforce policies and 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 potentially like discipline potentially um, while also providing recognition and cross-functional collaboration. There's a lot, a lot of, a lot of roles there. Um, one of the things that, that stuck out to me in, in the way that you phrased this was this disconnect between um, the individuals wanting to have a voice and kind of what the executives uh, who tend to skew more tenured, who have an understanding of like the way things were and they're seeking some sort of, stability in the known and the individuals seeking some stability in the, like, I know what life is like when it's flexible and the exact, I know what life is like in the office. And then the middle managers are, are stuck in the middle. Is it solely on them to, to be the voice of the employee to the executives and vice versa? Or have you had any uh, insights in terms of like how to bridge this communication divide? Um, no, definitely we should, we should not continue to put more sole responsibility on our middle managers. I think that's a really tough ask to make. Um, and one of the reasons that in my work on Future Forum, we really focus on, you know, engaging and connecting with senior executives because in many ways, like they need to do more to support their middle managers, um, both, you know, in terms of understanding and getting feedback from more people. Um, it was interesting in our data, we also found that um, 60% of executives are, you know, crafting flexible policies without, with little to no input from their, their employees. Um, and I'm just going to let that land for a moment. Like that's a lot, um, especially when, you're talking about on the other side, employees more than ever want to feel like they have a voice in this, that their leaders trust them, that they know what they're doing, um, and that they they know how to optimize for great work on their teams. Um, and so it really starts with, I often point to, starts with the leader and saying, one, you know, how can you lead by example? And two, how can you continue to get more feedback? and um, hear from your employee base more and really ask the question, you know, what are they looking for? Why? And how can I enable that while also balancing, you know, my need to drive business outcomes? Um, the two go hand in hand, but it's really being open to that feedback from the broader employee base is, is um, at the leader level, the senior executive level becomes really important. 
Yeah, so if you're listening and you're currently crafting a policy and you haven't received input from others who the policy affects, you should talk to them. Um, and then I think uh, there's a there's a trigger for me uh, as a co-founder of, of a platform that helps facilitate feedback. What we've often heard from leaders is like, well, I told my team I was open, but I didn't get any feedback. And saying you're open is different than demonstrating and actually being open. It's like, hey, my door's always open. You can come when you want. And um, asking in whatever, a skip level one-on-one with the clear agenda that somebody sees beforehand, I'm going to ask this question and I expect that we're going to spend time talking about it. And then having the five whys follow-up. Well, why? 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 Um, to truly understand why people want flexibility um, can then help you actually internalize and be empathetic towards what they're saying instead of, oh, they want flexibility, but I don't understand. Yeah. How many times have we as employees filled out an engagement survey, wrote, you know, comments in the notes about, you know, different parts of, um, you know, if you are feeling disengaged or there are ways to improve company culture only to have that fall flat and, and see no action come from it. So I, I would agree with that in terms of being open to actually listening to feedback and, um, and making that clear to, to employees um, and your people, but also um, finding ways to take action from it. Um, so make sure that you are, you know, as you're incorporating that feedback, really, really do incorporate the feedback, find ways to um, uh, actually make some of that tangible after the conversations. Yeah, the 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 close the loop thing. Hey, I saw what you said and I did something about it. And it's also acceptable, by the way, to say, and I did nothing about it. And here's why. That's also an acceptable response. So like, yeah. I heard you, but these constraints me meant I couldn't do something about it. Yeah, um, but people want to understand that, right? People yeah. want to understand like these are the constraints that we're working with. Um yeah. uh I'm gonna take us in a, a slightly different direction, but um it's one of the reasons why um so we talked about a future of work is flexible. And um, the thing that I often emphasize here is that when we look at the research, flexibility is a broader definition than you know work from home or work from anywhere. Um, location flexibility is really important, but um, and 80% of people want that, but almost everyone universally wants some level of schedule flexibility. They want um, flexibility in both dimensions because it really comes back down to trust, um, feeling like your leaders trust you to get work done. Um, but the the thing that I often, you know, the the pushback is like, oh, oh, but we need, you know, um, but we can't, we don't want to be fully remote, or we need the office to build culture and connection. Um, and so to solve that, I'm just going to mandate days in the office. Um, and it, it misses the point in two ways. It misses the point around schedule flexibility and the importance of thinking about that dimension for people. And two, it misses the point around like really having purpose and explaining why you're coming into the office, um, you know, and giving people a reason to gather. Um, and so when I talk about flexibility, I often say we, we focus on digital first at Slack and on Future Forum, but digital first never doesn't mean never in person. 
But when we do gather, there's a purpose behind it. We explain it to our people. Um, like if there are constraints in the business, like we explain it to people why we're doing this um, and and being a lot more open about those conversations um, because we're we're way past the days of just you know mandating um, policies and employees just saying like, okay, this is the way it is. All right. There's a lot to dig into here. Um, the three big words that stuck out to me, trust, culture, connection. Um, let's try, try in that order. So trust. Uh, the question I've got here is like, whose responsibility is it to build trust? And I'll have a little backdrop from some of my experience uh, in the trust space, uh, especially as it relates to feedback of, well, I can't give feedback until there's trust. And then my question is well, like, like when, when does that, when does that happen? Does it just manifest? What does that look like? So curious to hear what your, what your lens is on, on trust. Yeah. You've heard of, um, uh, trust to me is very similar to um, the ability to be vulnerable um, and uh, very similar dynamic, right? Like I can't open up if until I feel like there's safety and you know the other person is opening up to me. Um, but the reality is, and the research shows that um, like vulnerability begets more vulnerability. Absolutely. It's the same with trust. Right. Um, you kind of have to take the leap of faith first and say, like, I, as a leader um, in particular, like want to trust my team and in, in trusting my team, it fosters more trust. Um, and you can do that um, as a leader in a couple different ways. One is to to be more vulnerable, right, to to be more open. Um, uh, and we can talk about, you know, specific examples that we've I've done as a leader that I've seen other leaders do. And the other one is just um, being more transparent, right? We talked about just now about um, the importance of the two-way dialogue, the conversation with employees, um, both asking and explaining the why. And that to me is a really core part of transparency is that sort of two-way dialogue. And we see in the data that um, people who believe that their leaders are transparent feel four times as high a sense of belonging and actually more um, more than six times um, higher satisfaction with their work environment. And it's not hard to see why. Um, it really, um, I think when your leaders start with just a baseline of trust that fosters more trust on the team, which enables you to do more things, better things together and have higher impact, come up with more creative ideas, um, think more divergently in many ways um, to, to innovate. So there's, how do I build trust? A big way is be more vulnerable. Well, about what? About what you're going through, about why you've made certain decisions about constraints that are on your shoulders. And then that leads to uh, improved engagement, improved satisfaction. And I'm 100% in sync. It's not hard to understand why, because if if I'm given a decision and then you're and I'm told like, it's just the way it is. You have to do it. I, I, I'm particularly bad here, but I respond very poorly to that. Um, but if I'm told like, and here's why, and here's the constraints we have, at least I can engage with that. At least I can understand, oh, I know what they're going through. Um, there's like a, an interesting, I think, implication from 
like how vulnerable is too vulnerable. Uh, and I know Brene Brown actually has a lot of work here uh, where she has something I'm going to paraphrase maybe poorly about like processed versus unprocessed. Like if I'm vulnerable with a bunch of unprocessed emotions, that's like not necessarily my team's job to work on. But if I'm vulnerable with something that's been a little bit more processed, then we're getting to a place where that's that's okay. I'm not yeah, seeking attention. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, no. I'll share like um, – vulnerability to me as a leader is not about using your team as therapists, right? It's, it's exactly that. It's not the raw unprocessed emotions, but vulnerability can be as simple as just saying like, I don't know all the answers here, right? With the future of work, with implementing flexibility, there is no blueprint. There is no right answer or one size fits all. So being vulnerable as a leader around flexible work can just be having that conversation with your team and saying, we're going to figure this out together um, and we're going to experiment and prototype different ways of working and it might not all work and I don't have the right answer um, and that's okay. And that that is, you know, in many ways, the level of vulnerability that drives more two-way conversation. And I think that's kind of the goal, right? The, the level of vulnerability that you want to, um, that you want to inject in your team as a leader is is really opportunities to spark those two way conversations um, and to feel like you're you're solving this together. Um, the other the other example that I would share is, um, uh, you know, I think right now with flexible work, we're also just recognizing and being more open to the fact that people have lives outside of work, and that is equally important. Um, more, and, more important. Yeah. Uh, and yes, as a mom of two little kids. Yeah. Yes. Um, but we can lead the way um, as, you know, managers and leaders by just being a lot more transparent about the fact that, like, I have caregiving responsibilities. If my kid is sick, I'm going to take the time and I'm going to let my team know, not pretend to be like you know, the, the, the leader, the manager where like, it doesn't matter. It's just um, work comes first. Like I'm going to go and I'm going to pick up my kids and I'm going to be offline and we're going to have to find ways to do things asynchronously. And that's okay. Um, we actually have now set uh, caregiving as one of the default statuses that we have in our Slack instance. Mm. Um, and that sort of um, in many ways gives people that permission to say, yeah, yeah. It's not just about PTO um, that you can select. You can just take the time because you have this need. Um, and, and, you know, for others might be just, I, I need space to, you know, take a walk and that's okay. How do you lead by example in that way? There's an, there's a, an interesting part of lead by example, especially as it relates to building trust through vulnerability, which is like, well, what if somebody takes advantage of my vulnerability? And I think there's a, this happens a lot at really big companies. It's like something went wrong. Let's have a process and a rule. Oh, something went wrong. Let's have a process and a rule. And then it's like, oh God, we have so many rules. And so what does this look like in vulnerability? Someone takes advantage of the vulnerability and like shares information about me with somebody who wasn't in intended to hear it. Or um, I think there was a, a snippet in No Rules Rules from Netflix of like, we shared all of our financial statements internally, and then some employees started leaking it to the media beforehand. So like, we what, what, what do we do? 
And uh, there's a a chain of events here that I could imagine happening. And I think I saw on the Future Forum website something about like bossware or spyware or some kind of like time tracking, employee tracking tool. Because this seems like the polar opposite end of I trust my people, right? And so um, we talked about a bunch of good examples. Is there like what happens on the other end of the spectrum? What, is ba- what does bad look like? What do we want to avoid? This is the second time I've gotten that question. It's so funny. Um, uh, the time tracking, uh, feeling like you need to make sure that someone has signed on or signed off, I feel like is, is worse than feeling, you know, needing to see someone, um, get into the office at a certain time and leave at a certain time to know that they get work done. Um, that like you mentioned, Ryan, that, that is the opposite of trusting your people. Um, and, and actually, what it leads to, we we call this um, in the book the doom loop, right? Um, where you you start um, feeling like you need to monitor your people, um, and then you are you're measuring kind of the wrong things. You're measuring hours logged in rather than the actual outcomes that you're trying to drive to, and then people feel like you don't trust them um, because in many ways you don't. And then they become more disengaged and then disengagement leads to worse outcomes, which leads to more stress, which leads to more sort of this monitoring behavior. And then what happens is you get things on the market, like the mouse jiggler, where people game it um, and become even more disengaged. Like you you start to spiral down um, this, this doom loop um, where instead, you know, if you, um, as a manager, as a leader, can really focus on what is the outcome that we're driving, not just the the hours you're signed on or the activities. Um, focus on trusting your people, creating that environment where more more voices, more ideas can be heard. Then you know you are really focused on driving those business goals in a way that um, that really unlocks the potential on your team and your people, um, and you you have that sort of opposite effect, right? People are happier, they're more engaged. Um, and we see that. We see that in our data over the last you know, eight rounds of Pulse Survey that um, flexible workers are uh, more productive, right? Um, and it's not just about like happier about their work-life balance or happier about their work environment. They are actually more productive um, and um, more more able to deal with stress and anxiety as well. Um, so especially especially now, I think it's more and more important to think about how do you how do you enable flexible, inclusive, and connected work for your teams. There's a I think like my takeaway here for leaders listening is something like it starts with you and you need to take the leap and you need to just like default trust innocent until proven guilty. I don't know if that's too, but something like that is in this space of like, you need to like, it doesn't come out of nowhere and it actually starts with you because there is an inherent like hierarchy. There is a power dynamic. It's not going to come out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, I, I will also say other than like starting, absolutely. It starts with you. And, um, I think that I would even push us farther to say that as a leader, as a manager, your job is, um, should shift to more, uh, a higher focus on building trust, 
building these connections and relationships and going deeper with people and, and sparking these two-way conversations. Like, yes, the business outcomes and all that is table stakes. That's part of the responsibility, but you get there by really focusing on the day-to-day and the work that you do as a manager on these, you know, seemingly softer skills. Um, things like how do you like have those conversations with your people? Um, how do you build connections and support that across your team and across, you know, other teams with your team, et cetera. So in the, uh, the three big topics around, uh, flexibility, inclusion, and connection, I think for the, for the big three, we talked about, about trust and culture as part of, uh, flexibility, right? So if I trust people, of course they can work when they want or when it makes sense for them and we can work around their schedules. Um, a little bit, uh, for sure, inclusion here, if I'm, if I'm trusting everybody equally, um, You've mentioned connection a lot uh, in the in the past uh, couple of sentences. I want to I want to dig in there. What does that What does that mean um, to be building connection? I know you said you know conventionally it's if everybody's in the office then they'll be connected, which I have experience that is not true. <laughs> um, and I also have the inverse of where our team currently is is remote, and I feel more connected to some people who I've never met in person than plenty of people have. So what is that? Um, what is connection? Uh, look like from the the future forums perspective? Um, Connection can be defined in so many ways, Um, but a lot of times uh, I I have a a personal connection with Connected um, because like we said, we talk about flexibility and it's, you know, um, we're sort of past the point now where, where, um, there's a lot of data that shows that you can actually get work done without having to be in the office, right? There's a lot of data that shows that like productivity has increased, et cetera. Um, But there's there's something interesting that I saw um, from Microsoft the other day, actually, which is employees feel that they're more productive than ever with flexible work and managers and executives in particular, I think are worried that employees are less productive than ever. So there's like a big divide between what's actually happening, what executives think is happening, which, which is interesting. Yes. But that's, I I mean, I, I point back to like, um, so many of us, even me, when I first became a manager, you learn to manage by walking the halls. Um, and there is a, a wonderful, um, uh, quote from one of our executives in future forum, um, former CHRO of the, of a large, um, bank, um, and she's like, I used to ask my leaders when they talked about, you know, needing to see people to actually see that they're being productive. Um, and that's causing the disconnect. Like, how did you know they were productive when they were in the office? Um, how did you really know? Right. And I think when we think about it that way, we remember that we like productivity is a funky measure. You actually don't like, how do you measure that? It still comes back to what are the outcomes that we're driving to? Um, and are we meeting those goals and, and thinking about that versus um, like in the, in the moment, how many hours are you like really productive versus like walking to get some coffee, hanging out. Um, sometimes I think that that's also productivity because I was going to say sometimes connections. Um, yeah. Yeah. And sometimes ideas. I'm doing nothing and that's the most productive I can be because I need to yeah. recover and rest. Yeah. And so like, why are we so hung up on this definition of productivity um, is a really big question. 
that we've, you know, we continue to explore, but also explore in our executive conversations. Um, but back to your, your point around connections, um, I, like you have had, I, I'm, I'm very introverted actually, um, the big introvert on our team. And I often, um, think back to my interactions in the office, one, how awkward it was, um, cause I was terrible at small talk and, and building connections in those, you know, coffee flyby conversations. Um, but I also, you know, if I really think about it, um, I, I also have a lot of memories of coming up the elevator, seeing someone that I knew and, and, you know, asking that question, like, how was your weekend? How was it going? And, um, their response is typically like, it was great. It was fine. I'm good. And that's it. Um, that was the extent of building relationships in the office, sometimes very quick. Um, and, and I think we forget that so many of those office moments were that. Um, and, and yes, those like serendipitous hallway conversations, I'm not saying that they, you know, those never happened, but they're a really small portion of the time than the hours we spent commuting and in the off in the physical office. And I think we forget that one. Um, and two, I think that a lot of teams, really successful ones with flexible work, have figured out how to actually design for like building deeper connections with their teams, designing for, you know, collaborative moments without just leaving those instances, those like serendipitous hallway conversation moments to chance, right? It's like, how do we actually, we want this to happen. We want, you know, team people from different teams to connect, or we want to um, get to know our people better. You can actually say that and say, okay, as a product person, you know, you're like, here's the, here's the thing I want. How do I design for it, prototype and test it out versus saying, oh yeah, we'll just, we'll all kind of be in the same place at the same time in the office. And like, maybe these connections are just going to happen. Um, it's a little wild to me that that's kind of the, the thing that we default to versus just being way more intentional about the ways in which we actually connect with each other. Um, and so we've actually, we just did this um, as a team. Um, there, you know, we, we spend a lot of time um, sprinkled throughout our week um, in the virtual and the digital doing things like um, we started to, to do these like about me presentations, not a lot of work, not a lot of prep, but you have like two minutes um, to just tell us about something that matters to you, share that with the team. Um, and that's been a really fun way to just get to know people on a deeper level about their passions, et cetera. Um, and we just, I think I mentioned this at the beginning of our, um, of our call, we just held a sort of team offsite um, in person, but it was really designed in a way to allow um, people to, you know, meet others from teams that they don't normally work directly with. So there's a lot of just like designing the experience so that you have a chance to talk to people who you don't work with on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, we, we held it at the Salesforce Trailblazer Ranch, um, which is a space where intentionally they co-locate offsites 
so that, again, you have a chance to have some of those serendipitous encounters on purpose. Um, and they do that by making sure that all the meals are at preset times so that everyone is gathering for, you know, sharing a meal at the same time. Um, and that actually en enables more conversations, cross programs, cross teams. Um, and so, yeah, so just being way more deliberate about building connections. Um, and we see, you know, I've said, I've talked a lot now, but um, we see this in the data that it's not about the office um, uh, when it comes to people feeling connected to the company. Um, our, our latest pulse showed that teams that are flexible are actually um, 7% more connected with their company values than those in the office full time and 9% more connected to their direct manager than those working in the office full time. So it's really about intentionality. There is a lot of research. So I worked at a place called Bridgewater and they had a bunch of cultural principles and some of them are a little crazier than others. But one that does stick out to me, it's like, it's never a thing. It's a force behind the thing. And the force behind a thing is always a person. So when I hear like connected to the company values, like there is a person or multiple people who are embodying and living those values who I would feel connected to. Um, or it's literally in the, the second stat you used is my, is my direct manager. Um, what came to mind uh, was when I read, I read Creativity Inc., uh, which is about Pixar, and I think his name is Ed, Ed Catmull. And they were very intentional with their physical office space to encourage serendipity. And that still, I think, is like, is, well, it's rare that somebody is that thoughtful with their physical space and has the finances to build an entire sporting infrastructure. I think Slack is the closest I've seen with this same kind of serendipity uh, remotely. But even then, I think there's a need for some scaffolding or more intentionality behind it. Um, when we have our team meetings, I like to call this structured, unstructured time, where I think for the most part, if left to your own devices, the conversations typically skew towards, hey, how are you? How's your weekend? Um, which isn't necessarily bad, like it's a good jumping off point. But sometimes like one icebreaker question of like, the theme of this dinner where we all happen to co-locate is going to be like, tell us about the first time you experienced trust or something like that. Um, yeah, and then we, that, do, that we do icebreaker questions to kick off our team meetings as well um, for exactly that structure. Um, and um, in general, we also support our managers with a tool called the personal user manual, um, where it is basically that, right? It's structure. It's a template for, you know, writing about your personalities, uh, you know, a couple of tidbits about you and your life. Like I talk about my kids um, and where I live and my my background. Um, but it also goes deeper into like your communication preferences, the styles in which you work, um, what you need um, from the team, what you give um, or what you, you know, what are ways in which you like to give back to the team. And, and that is the kind of structure for our managers where, they can use that to go deeper with people. They can use that to start two-way conversations. Um, and it is much more actionable than just saying like, hey, you have to be more empathetic. Right. Like that. that's very ambiguous, as you know, with feedback, right? Like having some structure helps drive conversation. Um, and, and yeah, you mentioned Slack. Like we've leaned so hard into, um, you know, what has helped us 
truly enable flexible work on our future forum team is the fact that Slack is our digital headquarters um, and, and shifting that framing of headquarters being a physical space to really digital first. Um, and so when we describe flexible work within Future Forum and at Slack, we describe it as being digital first. Um, and, and partly because it's, it is a way to provide information, access to information, people and opportunities across the entire you know, base of our um, employee base and not limit it to you know, what time zone you're in. So it enables schedule flexibility. It enables location flexibility without feeling like anyone is you know, excluded from that information. Um, and the reality is like our data shows very similar things that when, you know, for companies that are more early adopters of technology and really um, investing in these sort of like digital tools to enable flexibility and connected work, they are not just more productive, but there's a higher sense of belonging, two times higher sense of belonging than those who are technology laggards. Um, and that of course, translates to how stressed and burned out people are feeling. Um, and so, yeah, thinking really about that intentionality and shifting that to like, how can I actually bring that intentionality to also the, the virtual space, the digital space for connecting people, um, but also just like, how do we think about this as our primary headquarters for our people? Helen, I know that uh, we are out of time for today and that you have to hop off. So thank you um, so much for joining, uh, for talking about your passion towards the future of work, what the future of work might look like. Thank you for digging in on what it means to be flexible, what it means to be connected, what it means to be inclusive, what it means to build trust and culture, to be vulnerable. Um, a lot of really compelling topics. And of course, uh, thank you for bringing the supporting evidence and the data to the forefront in terms of the power of these uh, concepts and what how it actually manifests in the day-to-day -day, and then getting pretty tactical in some domains about how to actually make it happen. Yeah, thank you for having me. I think the only thing that I would add, um, especially to your listeners and this group of people is like I mentioned, and like you said, um, adding some structure can often be the most helpful thing to, to starting conversations about flexible work. Um, and so if you're interested, we have a lot of the sort of tools and case studies and research that I've talked about um, at our website, futureforum.com, where you can actually go and get the personal user manual template, for example, and use that for your own teams. Um, and I encourage you to try it out. and send us feedback if you have them. I was checking out the playbooks and reports this morning um, and yesterday evening and was, was pretty blown away. So I'll, I'll give a plus one there for, for check them out. They, they're pretty useful. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me again. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for spending your time with us. If you learned something today, please like and subscribe. If you want to share thoughts on what you liked, what we could do better, who we should talk to, or anything else on your mind, please leave a comment or email us support at getgrow.io.